Hey there, literary fans, and welcome to Jeff Reads His Book. I am your host, Jeff Armstrong, and today we're going to be looking at Chapter 2 of the book Bringing Balance uh, in Episode 2 of this podcast. Uh, so, this being Episode 2, I was hoping to get some feedback, but I don't know why I thought that, because I don't think I actually submitted this podcast to anything until maybe Thursday this week, um, and I'm recording it on Sunday. And of course, you know, most of the submissions that are important didn't actually work. So, uh, I'm not really surprised that nobody would write back. I think when I check downloads, I'm at like two or three, and I know one is me. So, maybe two is me. I'm not sure. Anywho, uh, it looks like this isn't particularly popular yet, but I'm not surprised. Uh, I actually submitted it to Google Podcasts. Um, that's pending approval because it's Google and, you know, it's going to take them, what, a week and a half to do anything? Of course. Because, I mean, what do they care about me? It doesn't matter. Um, I submitted it to Stitcher. Do people use Stitcher? I, I'm not, I've always had weird ass phones, so I don't think I use the standard podcast stuff. Um, let me see, I submitted to TuneIn. I don't know what the hell that is. I'd never actually even heard of that, but it's submitted, whatever. And I think it might be approved on there, too. Um, and I tried to submit to Apple so it could be in iTunes, finally. What a freaking hassle. Like, it didn't work even a little bit. You go to the submission page. It says log in. You click accept. And then it quickly tells you that um, they can't process my request. It's great. Then you can click contact us to tell them about the problem. And that sends you back to the login page where you log in again. And then it asks you to accept some terms and conditions, and then notifies you it didn't work again. So I'm not sure that anything's working there. I looked a little online, though. It seems to be a bug, and, you know, Apple will get to it. I don't think they make any money from podcasts anyway, so what do they care? Um, so, yeah, I guess if I had actually announced this podcast to anybody, maybe I'd get a little more feedback, but I didn't. I think maybe Friday I mentioned it on Mastodon, on my personal feed, you know, with my seven or eight followers, that's going to generate a lot of buzz. So I got to think about maybe publicizing this more, but you know what? I really don't care that much. This is more just fun for me. Uh, hopefully somebody else enjoys it. Um, if you want to follow along, uh, I should get some of that useful bookkeeping out of the way or whatever you want to call it. Um, you can go to jeffreadshisbook.com, and there are links there where you can actually buy the book on Amazon, a print version, which is my personal favorite, or the Amazon Kindle version that uh, all the chapters are off by one. So, uh, anyway, today we're going to be looking at Chapter 2. Chapter 2... Uh, Matches with episode two. If you're on the Kindle, it'll be chapter three because I can't make a proper ebook, so that's my bad. Um, so, what's going to happen in chapter two? This is exciting. Uh, I actually had to peruse it because I do not know what happens in any of these chapters, even though I wrote this horrible mess myself. But that was a long time ago. Who who can tell? Um, so I, I made a few notes of what we're actually going to see in this chapter. 
one thing we're going to see is some magic. Ooh, being a fantasy novel, you'd expect at least some of that, or I don't know, swords or whatever, but we're going to see some magic, so that's exciting, finally. Um, we're going to see a new main character. Uh, the new main character we see uh, is one of one of the main characters. I guess I just said that. My bad. Um, and uh, just browsing that chapter, I did notice that um, the margins are wrong in two locations in the chapter. Like, the, the words don't line up on the right side of the page. They're kind of... I just made a hand motion. Nobody can see this. What the hell? Um, but on the right side of the page, some of the lines kind of come over the edge. So they don't line up on the right side. And that, again, is because I don't know what I'm doing when I'm typesetting. I probably should have seen it when they give like they give like a quality copy so you can peruse all the pages to make sure it's going to print right. And, of course, I didn't do anything. Um, again, two weeks to get this thing published. You know, not counting the six months leading up to those two weeks, but whatever, it's it's fine. Uh, so anyway, uh, chapter two is a whopping seven pages. I think it took me last week maybe ten minutes, twelve minutes to read four pages, more or less. So what do you think, seven pages going to be like fifteen minutes to read this with me tripping over things? Um... And I'm going to read this and then pause, because we got to come up with some discussion questions this week. And like I said, I don't remember what happens in any of these chapters. So we'll, after I read through it, I'll see if we can come up with something interesting to talk about. But I doubt, I doubt there's anything particularly interesting. Let's be honest, this is not the greatest work of literature. If they ever taught this in school, well, they wouldn't. It would be an example of what not to do, right? Yeah, so... Uh, with that said, uh, I see no reason to delay this uh, this week. I think we can get right into Chapter 2. So hold on, people, as we enter a world of magic. All right, so let's get started with Chapter 2. Um, let me find the page. I think we're on page 5. And today we're going to start reading Chapter 2. This is going to be pretty exciting. Um... Let me see. If you actually have the print copy, oof, page 7's got some problems on it, layout problems, and page 9 has some layout problems. I wonder if these show up in the ebook. I don't think they should, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm never sure. Uh, anyway, let's get started. <clears throat> Chapter 2. Henry stared at the terminal on his desk. His workday was nearly over, and he could feel the last bits of productivity slipping away. He threw his head back and rubbed his eyes. Seven hours of staring at computer code were taking its toll as usual. He casually turned to glance at his office mate's monitor, seeing that his day had degraded into watching online videos. Online vi Watching online videos makes me sound like I'm 100. But you know what? Maybe they wouldn't have said YouTube back then. <laughs> 2011 was that was YouTube popular enough that you would just I, I guess so. Uh, all right, where was I? Um, Henry returned to his terminal and stared blankly at the code in front of him. He always wondered if he should be more productive at work, but the weekly status meetings often seemed to result in a mild "great work" from his manager. What's the big plans for tonight, Rich? Henry asked the young man behind him. 
As both were in their late 20s, they made both great and terrible office mates in terms of teamwork and productivity, respectively. What do you think? That new television isn't going to watch itself, Rich replied, referring to his latest high-tech purchase. And you? I got nothing. Dinner and sleep, that's it, Henry responded truthfully. Not browsing the dating sites? Huh? Huh? Ha! No. Henry's least favorite topic was discussing his dating or complete lack thereof. I'm impressed I got thereof into this novel as a word. <clears throat> his married co-workers occasionally gave him crap. As long as anyone had known him at the office, he had not once had a successful date. Henry was fit and not altogether unattractive if a little short, but he showed little interest in pursuing women. When people inquired, he waved them off, not wanting to discuss the past. Ooh, is this foreshadowing? I am so excited. Rich laughed as a video continued playing on his screen, so Henry returned to the last hour of zoning out for the workday. Suddenly, the phone on his desk rang. He leaned forward to read the caller ID. The number meant nothing to him, so he returned to his slouching. Ten minutes later... As Henry absentmindedly played with his watch, the phone rang again. He leaned forward, read the name on the caller ID, and picked up the handset. Do, you know what? Do people even use phones in office? I work from home, so obviously I don't answer the phone. But do people actually have phones on their desk still? Yeah, I should be saving this for discussion questions. God damn it. <clears throat> Henry McCallum, Henry stated. Huh? Do you like how I worked his last name into the story like that? It's pretty slick, I think. Henry, it's Eileen. There's someone here to see you up front, the receptionist said. Um, okay, I'll be down in a sec, Henry stated before hanging up. What's that about, Rich asked, tearing himself away from a video featuring a kitten? Because <laughs> everybody watches kitten videos. Don't know. Eileen said there's someone up front to see me. Who? I guess I'll find out, Henry smiled as he stood up. The lobby was just a two-minute walk from Henry's office, in a single-story building behind one of the securely locked doors. He passed other co-workers in the hall with minimal greetings as he worked his way toward the mystery visitor. Towards his mystery visitor. Ooh, and it's a drinking break. Today, I'm just going to feast on a little, uh, this is actually Tito's on the Rocks. Uh, I actually kind of like Tito's. I think it's pretty good vodka. Um, so I'll be sipping this as we go through the story. I also want to point out, I don't think there was a typo in this first section of Chapter 2. That, that is noteworthy. I mean, Chapter 1 was, whoa, all right. In the lobby, Aaron stood awkwardly back from the receptionist desk. The room gave the distinct impression that it had been decorated ten years previously and nobody had bothered to hang anything interesting on the walls other than generic modern art prints. The room felt chilly, too, a sure sign that this company hadn't yet bothered to switch on the heat. Switch the heat on. Sorry. She reached around the back of her head and undid the elastic, letting her curly, dirty blonde hair fall to her shoulders. As Erin returned to her nervous stare out the lobby's window, one of the inner doors of the lobby swung open after an audible click of a lock. 
A younger man with neat, reddish-brown hair emerged from the building's interior, appearing to be no taller than herself. Aaron guessed his age at around the late 20s, and he had the appearance of someone who might be entirely comfortable at a desk all day, all day, judging by his pale complexion. Oh, sounds pretty Irish. <clears throat> the man, well, McCallum, I guess. All right. Is that Scottish or... No, that's Irish, right? Okay. The man glanced at the receptionist who nodded in Aaron's direction. As he approached, smiling, Aaron tried to begin. Um, hi, she started. Do I know you? Henry asked with a glimmer of recognition in his eye. I don't think so, Aaron replied suspiciously. After a handful of seconds, Henry raised a finger. Quote, ah, you are cashier at the grocery store. I knew I'd seen you somewhere. My name is Henry, he said with a grin, obviously pleased with his discovery. I already don't like Henry. <laughs> Aaron was a little surprised. Uh, yes, I'm Aaron. Henry continued to stand in front of her with the same grin, making her somewhat uncomfortable. Can I talk to you in private? I, I have... <clears throat> God, all right. Can I talk to you in private? I have to ask you something. Sure. Would outside be okay? I'm really not supposed to let you in here any further. It's secure. Aaron turned toward the front door and walked back outside toward the park towards the parking lot. Henry following behind. When she reached the sidewalk, running along the lot, not more than a handful of steps from the single-story building, she glanced around for a bit of privacy. Oh my god, there is so much like setting description here that's totally useless. Oh god, and it's so awkward to read. Um, let's see, she started towards the nearest corner of the building. Glancing back, she saw the man following behind her with an amused look. When Aaron finally stopped walking and turned around, Henry asked, So, what's this all about? Aaron let out a deep breath and said, This is probably going to sound very strange. She paused for a second and thought. Reaching into her pocket, she found the business card and handed it to Henry. Where did you get this? he laughed. This is my old cell number. My Aunt June sent it to me. Do you know anyone named June? Nope, said Henry assuredly. Erin paused again. She was beginning to have second thoughts about this, but she decided to continue anyways. Any Continue anyways. Is that right, or should we continue anyway? Anyways. I don't know. Doesn't sound right. <clears throat> oh, this is Erin speaking. <clears throat> I received a letter in the mail yesterday from my aunt. She said that you could help me. She said I needed to return this pendant to dot 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 to the world of magic, Aaron said nervously. She instantly knew that Henry understood because his smile had been replaced by a deep frown. I'm sorry, I can't help you, he said coldly. But you know what I'm talking about, Aaron asked. I just can't. I'm sorry, he responded, stone-faced. Please, Aaron pleaded. I think I'm being followed, and I don't know why. I just need someone who knows something about this letter to help. Henry turned and started back towards the office entrance. 
Aaron stood in despair until he was nearly at the door. She ran back up to him, nearly begging. Please, can't you just explain this or show me the way or something? I have no idea what any of this is about. I'm sorry, Aaron. I can't go. He paused and corrected himself. I, I, I can't help you. There was actually no stuttering there. I added that because I can't read. With that, he walked through the door, letting it close behind him. Drinking break! All right, how are we doing here? What are we... Page eight. So, whoo, got a ways to go still. All right, let's get back to this. <clears throat> back inside, Henry waved his key in front of the secured door's sensor and re-entered the back office. Nobody had mentioned the world of magic to him since he had returned, and he had wished to keep it that way. The appearance of the slender supermarket cashier had knocked him off balance. As he walked back towards his office, he paused at an open office door with windows, looking out onto the parking lot. The girl was trudging back towards her tan Buick that had clearly seen better days. He paused to consider the girl just a bit longer. Her large, sad green eyes had almost initially broken his resolve, but he was determined not to return to the world of magic. Too much pain remained there. As he stood watching her in the doorway, two men appeared as if from nowhere. Both were quite tall and imposing, and they both wore impeccable black suits. They approached Aaron purposefully as she fished for her car keys in her purse. In the purse. Ugh. <laughs> uh, let's see. Suddenly, Aaron looked up in fear, but they had both closed in fast enough that she was trapped. Each grabbed an arm and began dragging the kicking girl across the parking lot. Henry knew something was wrong, you think? He ran back towards the lobby and back out the front door. Upon opening the door, he could hear... Oh, he could hear... Aaron yelling for them to let go. Of course, here is spelled H-E-R-E. -E. Oh, my God. Instead of H-E-A-R. That's what happens with spell checking. Yep, that's spelled properly. It's just wrong. <clears throat> Henry hadn't noticed, but the receptionist behind him was now aware of the yelling. Okay. He walked towards the threesome, yelling, Excuse me, repeatedly. Finally, they stopped, and he continued, What exactly is going on here? Sir, we're with the FBI. She's wanted on an outstanding warrant, one man responded as he released Aaron's left arm, leaving the job of subduing her to the remaining man. Help me, please! I don't know what they're talking about, Aaron wailed. Should I make it more wailing? Help me, please! I don't know what they're talking about, Aaron wailed. I think it's better. Aaron stared at the crying girl, now with one free arm. The idea that the FBI would be interested in a teenager seemed laughable, and their presence at his workplace was disturbing. Henry, help me! Aaron cried with tears pouring down her face. With a cold face... Why is face so why is face appear so close to each other? Oh. With a cold face, Aaron turned to the agent who had addressed him originally. Listen, I don't know what's going on, but I don't want any part of it, he said as 
said in as distant a voice as he could muster. Let me just see some ID, and I'll let you get on with your work. Neither suited man noticed that Henry's fingertips on his right hand, hanging at his side, began moving furiously in preparation for what was about to occur. The suited man, now a few steps in front of Henry, reached into his jacket, producing a wallet. He flipped it open, revealing what appeared to be an identification card of some sort. No, I want to see it. Bring it over, Henry said as his fingers continued working discreetly. The suited man released an annoyed sigh and marched towards Henry until the two were an arm's length apart. He raised the wallet again to show Henry. As he did so, a whirlwind of events occurred. Drinking break! So generally, if you haven't noticed, like these drinking breaks kind of appear between segments where I change point of view. I thought that was pretty clever. I don't know if that's good writing or not. So like when we, you know, this last section, Henry was the one who had the narrative. And obviously we're going to move on to Erin now, right? Erin had stopped yelling, but she continued to cry uncontrolled as the suited man beside her squeezed her upper arm. Henry was standing still as the second agent approached him with a badge or something similar. She could see no hope on the horizon. Suddenly, as the agent nearest Henry raised his wallet, Henry's right hand swung up and grabbed his wrist. The agent went still with a look of pain stricken across his face. In nearly the same instant, Henry turned towards Aaron's captor with a look of fury. The man's hand fell away from her arm as he desperately tried to reach for something in his jacket, presumably a firearm. Henry, though, was far faster. His left arm shot directly outward, his open palm facing her captor. Aaron heard the man yell as he was thrown by some unseen force against a car five spaces away, shattering the driver's side window. The man slumped to the ground unconscious. The paralyzed man still in front of Henry then met a similar fate, thrown violently into the hood of a car behind him. Aaron stood in shock, her eyes moving quickly from one unconscious man to the other. Her eyes fell back to Henry as he jogged towards her previous captor. Pulling the lapels of the unconscious man. I probably should have said his... The, uh, all right, we'll see what happens. Pulling the lapels of the unconscious man, he threw him face first into the pavement. I don't know how you do that. If you're grabbing the front of a jacket, how are you going to throw him face first uh, into the pavement? That doesn't seem like it would make sense. I'm not a fighting man, though, so whoever wrote this book must know what he's talking about. Uh, He yanked down the shirt and jacket collar on the man's back, and his face twisted in concern. Turning back to Aaron, he said, What have you gotten yourself into? He stood up, talking to nobody in particular. Why would magistrates send someone after you? Aaron timidly approached the unconscious man and looked down at the now-exposed neck of the unconscious agent. He had a small but noticeable bird tattoo. 
A crow, Henry said, apparently reading her confused expression. A servant of the magistrates. We need to leave now. Is there anything you need to get before we do? I... I don't think so, she replied, still in shock. Come with me. I need to get my keys to get a bag from my car, instructed Henry. Aaron wiped her face dry as the pair returned to the office entrance. The receptionist, along with three others, stood in the doorway, all yelling at Henry with, in fear. He ignored the four and continued into the lobby. When they approached the locked door, he simply threw up his right hand and the door flew open in front of him. Let's go just a bit further, he said to Aaron as he passed through the doorway. As they walked by offices, Aaron noticed people in shock turning from their windows back to the hallway. She felt decidedly uncomfortable with all eyes on her. Henry turned into one of the doorways off the hall. Another man in the room asked as the pair entered, Henry, what's going on? Listen, Rich, I need you to take my car home with you tonight, today. Or you can bring it to my house. I don't care. I'll leave the keys inside, he said, pulling open a desk drawer and grabbing a handful of keys and a wallet. Everything all right, he asked. Not so much, Henry replied. I've got to go away for a while. I'll be back soon enough, okay? All right, buddy, if you say so, Rich responded. Henry turned back to Aaron. Let's go, you're driving. He didn't give her any time to respond as he marched back into the hallway and towards the lobby. Along the way, one worker tried to stop the pair, standing in front of them with his hand out. Henry simply waved his arm, and the worker, significantly bigger than the small magician, was thrown against the corridor's wall. Once outside, past the concerned office dwellers, <laughs> Henry walked up to a compact hatchback and opened the trunk. From within, he produced a single duffel bag. He dropped the keys on the roof and closed the trunk. I thought he was going to leave the keys in the car. I mean... Oh, damn screensaver, sorry. All right. <clears throat> Is that you? He asked, pointing at Aaron's car. Yeah, she responded slowly, still in shock from all the events. She looked at the young man with a duffel bag and saw a glimmer of compassion in his eyes. She began crying again, repeating, Oh no, 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 this isn't happening. This isn't all happening. Oh no, she jammed... As she jammed her fingers in her hair in fear and frustration at the mayhem that was unfolding, Henry touched her shoulder gently. Aaron, he began, I thought, I didn't know where she was jamming her fingers. I don't think you can jam your fingers into your, to your hair. Oh, oh my God. Let's go back and revisit that quality paragraph. She began crying again, repeating, oh no, 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 this isn't hat isn't all happening. Oh, no. As she jammed her fingers in her air, right? Her air, not her hair. Sorry. In fear and fr frustration at the mayhem that was unfolding, Henry touched her shoulder gently. Aaron, he began, I know there is a lot to take in right now, but we have to remain calm and we have to leave. In the distance, a police siren was growing louder. I can explain in the car, but we have to leave now. You'll be all right, I promise. Erin nodded and reached into her purse 
for her keys. As she unlocked the car, Henry walked to the passenger side and waited for the door to unlock. Once inside the car, Henry instructed Aaron to pull out onto the main road and continue to the extensive city parks just down the road. Police sirens were close now. Henry spoke up. Don't stop for the police. Hopefully they won't be able to see us. I'm not particularly good at this. Aaron looked at her passenger and saw that he was now mumbling with his eyes closed. Ahead, on the road, three police cruisers raced towards the office building. As she pulled onto the road, she was shocked to see that the police simply ignored her car, proceeding into the parking lot. Aaron didn't question what had just happened, instead choosing to accelerate away from the site of the incident. Woo! That is the end of Chapter 2! Well, I hope you guys enjoyed Chapter 2. I know that was pretty exciting. Um, I'm not going to lie. I think this parking lot scene is one of my favorites in the book. I think it was one I came into the book knowing I was going to write. Obviously, because I probably wrote it on day two of the uh, of that November, right? So, um, I thought it was not too bad a fight scene. It was a little weird. Um, I think it's kind of odd that... Aaron didn't start crying until kind of long after it all happened, but whatever. Um, yeah, I think that was pretty good. Um, I think the setting description was just horrendous. Uh, I kind of, I guess, modeled the building after one. I mean, we it kept mentioning that it was a single-story office building. Like, that had anything to do with what happened. Also, I think I pointed out that it was a two-minute walk, from Henry's office to the lobby, and then it seemed to go pretty quick when Aaron was with him. Maybe they were jogging. I doubt it, though. It was, I don't know. Some, there's some issues with this. I mean, a two-minute walk in a hallway, that's a long-ass hallway. You would think at that point they would have built up with that single-story building. So, uh, All right, so we finished the chapter. I think it's time for some discussion questions. So... Hopefully our listeners can talk amongst themselves about this. So I wrote down a few uh, as we read the book just to maybe uh, go over uh, what happened. Sorry, I'm mumbling here. All right, here, question one. If Henry could just use magic to throw open that office door, the secure door with the lock, couldn't he have just opened his trunk? Why did he have to go in to get his damn keys? Also, he was going to leave him inside the car, and he just left him on the roof. Whatever. And if you think about the logistics of his friend Rich trying to take his car home, obviously Rich got to work in, I would assume, a car. So now what? They're involving a third person in this nonsense now. Somebody's got to follow Rich home and then drive Rich back to work so he can get his own damn car. Henry is creating a lot of problems for people. All right. So, what do you think? Why didn't he just open his car? Maybe, I don't know. I I just want to hear some ideas. Uh, Next, let's see. Uh, Ooh, when Erin, quote, jammed her fingers in the air, do you think she did jazz hands? I think she did jazz hands. All right, and question three. All right, so we do know from the story so far that Henry and Rich work in some sort of, quote, secure facility. We don't know what that means. Could be a bank. Could be government. 
Could be uh, medical records, right? Are they secure? I guess. Um, anywho, right? So what happened here? Two men were knocked unconscious, right? Uh, we ruined two cars, right? One, two, what, a side window on one car and a windshield of another car. Probably the hood got dented, that door got, ugh. Those cars were ruined, right? If it's a, quote, secure facility, we had a security breach because Henry just marched some regular old girl in there, right? Um, so the real question is how much, how much paperwork did they just generate for everybody else? We've got insurance claims. We've got security incident reports to fill out now. Oh my God. Uh, it, you know, Henry's not coming off good in this chapter. He might have helped that girl, but he was real messy about it, right? So that's, yeah, that wasn't cool at all. Well, anyway, that's about the end of episode two. So we're two episodes into this podcast. Uh, we have. Somewhere, somewhere on the order of 20 left to go. Uh, I think this book's getting pretty exciting. Uh, we have a few more main characters to meet that I'm aware of. Uh, I don't think there's any other ones that I'm missing, you know, since I wrote this nonsense in the first place. Um, some of these plot points in this story really irritate me. Like, I guess I pointed out that Aaron was a supermarket cashier for some reason. I just... I'm real lost on why that even matters. If they're going to go into some world of magic, I mean, what, are there going to be a lot of cash registers there for her to operate? I, why is that even pertinent to this story? It seems like just a pointless thing so that Henry recognized her, but who cares? Ugh. So there's a lot about this book that just irritates me. Ah, It's giving me a headache just thinking about it. Anyway, uh, if you like the podcast so far, or if you like this book, you can get get at me on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Fortran Jeff. Uh, if you use Mastodon, I'm JBA at Mastodon.sdf.org, which might be the only place on social media that I actually mentioned that this is a podcast. Um, and you can email me, JBA at SDF.org. That's superdimensionalfortress.org. Okay? And uh, I really want to hear from anybody, because this book is just... It's a doozy. Uh, I don't actually expect this podcast to generate any sales. I think my goal, maybe, would be to sell enough books to pay for this microphone that I'm speaking into. And it's not an expensive microphone, so it's not really a high bar. Uh, as I said before, there's never going to be advertising on this because no, nobody's going to nobody's going to advertise on such such a nonsense podcast. And I'm only doing this to make a couple people laugh. So even if nobody else is listening, it's totally worth it. So we'll be back next week with episode three and chapter three of Bringing Balance. And until then, keep on reading. <laughs> <laughs>